Good morning. Over the last couple of weeks, we have talked about the church and how the Bible uh, teaches us to see the church. And if you've missed those weeks, I would encourage you to get online and listen to them. We talk about uh, the, the, the unique American uh, perspective that seep, seeps into our, into our vision of how we see the church, of consumerism. I want to talk to you about another American danger. And this American danger has to do with blending our faith with our culture. This Bible is our standard for faith and conduct, not our culture. And you can blend it from one far end of, uh, of liberalism to the far end of conservatism and miss the teaching of what Scripture would have for us. And I want to just warn us of that and be careful of that, that we're looking at the Bible to be our standard for how we live our lives. So let's stand together today and let's open our Bibles to Psalm 19. I'm going to start today with, uh, with an illustration I've shared with you before, but for some of you it'll be brand new and it's going to be a good reminder for us. But let's look in, in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor, there, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun." which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Father, we thank you uh, for what David wrote here under the inspiration of your spirit to remind us, Father, that what is evident about you being a creator and who you are is all around us. It speaks to every generation. It speaks to every tribe and every land and every nation and all around the world that there is a creator, the order of the universe, the power of the universe, speaks to us of your greatness and your glory. Lord, let us see that and understand it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 11.3 and see what the New Testament tells us. It says that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. See, the Bible declares to us that all creation that we see, everything we see, is the work of one divine creator. David said that the heavens themselves, the creation itself, declares the glory of God. When we see God, we will see his beauty, we will see his power. When we come before him, 
we will be in the awesome presence of the living God and it will blow our minds. We'll have seen nothing like this in all of creation when we see God, when we stand before him someday. We will bow, the Bible says, all men will bow and confess that he is Lord. Now, I always like to remind people when I say that, it doesn't say that every person will bow and say, he is my Savior and my Lord. Because for some, he's not their Savior because they rejected him here. But when you did what Paul just talked about a few minutes ago, when he said on his second Sunday here, he asked Christ into his life. Now, he not only becomes Lord, when we see him, we'll understand he's Lord of everything, he's in charge of everything, he's Lord, he's the creator of our life. We'll get it in that moment. But right now we get the chance to also call him Savior and to ask him into my life. The glory of God is a picture of his wisdom. That's why the heavens declare the glory of God. They show the wisdom of God and the order of God. Uh, even as, as we look at it, it shows the power of God and it shows the creativity of God. So when you take something as simple in our lives as a flower, and we look at a flower and we smell the flower and we feel the flower and we see the flower, we see the creativity of God. We see the unique ability of God to create. We see it declares God's glory and God's wisdom and God's power that he can do something like this out of nothing. You can grow a garden, but you've got to have a seed. You've got to have ground. You've got to have all the right things in place. You've got to have all the ingredients you may be able to go into a kitchen and make bread, but you've got to have all the right ingredients. You've got to have the, the, the stove. You've got to have all the things that are there that will help you do it. God did it from nothing. He had, there was nothing. What we have came from nothing. What we are came from God's word and his creative power. And we see that in the world all around us. It represents, all of it speaks to us of the handiwork of God. And the Bible says in this scripture that because of the heavens and because of all of creation, that there is no corner of the earth where the work of God fails to point to God and to God's glory. Every place you go... It speaks to us that there is a creator. In many ways, we show the glory of God through our body. We, what we can do, what we, the abilities that we have are a reflection of the power and the glory of God. But let me remind you, that's what our bodies show. It's not what our nature shows. In Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned, listen, doesn't just say that, 
and fall short of the glory of God. Not only have we sinned, and sin, real simply, friends, if you don't understand what the word means, it's, it's living life our way instead of living life God's way. I have this tendency at times to uh, reflect on my life. And I don't know if any of you do this. This is just my own weird self here. But I begin to think about things where I, where I failed, where I didn't do what I should have done. And I uh, wish I could change them. wish I could go back and say something different or act differently or do something different. And uh, something kind of kicked me into that mode about a week and a half ago, made me think about places where I, I wish I'd shown something different and done something differently. And that reflection at times can be good because you learn from it and you grow from it. But uh, a couple of days ago, I've been reflecting on this for about a week. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sick of this. I think I'm going to look at some things I'm, I'm proud of. You know, some things I've done that I, I got it right. And I started thinking through my life, kind of systematically going from when I was a little kid until now, and looking at my life, and it wasn't long until I realized that all the places where I failed, all the places where I wish I could go back in time. You ever wish you'd go back in time and have a talk with yourself? Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't. Don't go there. Start doing this. Start doing that. You know, you wish you'd go back in time and say, right there. And every place I see that in my life, boy, it, it looks like me. It smells like me. It's acting like me. It's me. And every place I found in life, that I was proud of what I've done, I'm glad of what I've done, I rejoice in what I've done, I see the hand of God in what I've done. I see his intervention in my life. I see him speaking to me. And I'll tell you, there were times where I could go back and very specifically remember, through this person, through this service, through this moment in prayer, God spoke to me and I listened and I obeyed and am I glad I did? And there were other times I looked and I said, God spoke to me and I ignored him and I did my own thing and I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd paid attention to God. See, when sin is living life our way, instead of living God's way, that lack of glory runs through the world and is the source of conflict in the world that we won't fully escape until we're in heaven. The flower does what it's supposed to do. We don't. So how do we begin to reveal the glory of, of God in our life? Uh, I, I've had to tell people that, that what they want the way that they want to live such close lives in the presence of God. I've had people tell me this, that the, that the way they, they've told me, you know, what I would want to do is I want to live so close to the presence of God that when I'm in a restaurant, 
people will just see his presence on me and be drawn to Christ. I had people tell me that. You know, I just want to glow for God. I just want to have his presence on me and glow. The closest thing to that that I find in the Bible is Moses coming down off of the mountain. And this is kind of where they get it. Moses coming down off of the mount, and the presence of God is so upon, uh, so upon him that he physically is resonating because he has been in the physical presence of God. And they actually, it freaks people out, so they put a veil over his face, and he slowly loses that glory. He slowly loses it. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3. And he says this. He refers to Moses' as fading glory. And he's talking now about the presence of God in our life. And he says, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. He's saying that as we walk in the presence of God, the glory of God is going to grow in us. We're going to more clearly reflect the glory of God. Now, I want you to hear me in case somebody's confused. What Paul is talking about here is not a shining of our bodies. We are not going to somehow have some light of God inside of us, and wherever we go, we're just going to shine physically, light up the room. We're not going to need lights anymore. We'll come in. We'll be able to save electricity because we are shining with the glory of God physically. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is the shining of our nature, of, the, of us growing degree by degree into the nature of Christ and being transformed by Him. This is the whole revelation of the Word. The revelation of the Word isn't just so we know things. The revelation of the Word is so that we will be transformed by this truth, so that we will be changed. I don't read the Word. Listen, I don't read the Word just to find things to preach to you. I read the Word. I have devotional times for me to be changed. We have to be a people who are looking in the Word to be transformed. So let's go back to Psalm 19 and read a bit further. David begins to talk about the revelation of God through the Word. And in verse 7 he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Our soul separated from God, dead, apart from God, living on its own, doing its own thing, feeling its own way, dead on its own, now through the revelation of the Word begins to sense God and the soul begins to be revived into the presence of God. We begin to reconnect with God. Last week we talked, remember, about the taste buds of the Spirit and what the taste buds of our spirit say to us when I am, when my taste buds of my spirit long for sinful things, long for immoral things, long, that says something about the health of my spirit. But when the Spirit of God 
begins to move in me. The taste buds of the Spirit begin to get renewed, and I long for righteous things. I'm embarrassed by the unrighteous things. I'm embarrassed by the things I used to do and want to and long for the things that God would have me to do. I become changed by the presence of God. The Word of God revives my soul. Amen? He goes on and says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The Word gives us new insight. Listen, wisdom is about action. It's about taking what we know and applying it rightly. The Word of God gives us new insight in how to act. The Word of God shows me how to respond to my enemies and how to respond to my friends and how to respond to authority and how to conduct my life and relationships. The Word of God gives us wisdom, insight into how to live our lives. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The Word of God gives us, as we know the Word of God, it gives us hope in all times. Gives us hope in all times, good and bad. It gives us living hope. Not just knowledgeable hope, but living hope. A couple of us were talking before the service today about losing our dads and, and how that impacted our lives so deeply. And yet, friends, it is the Word of God that brings living hope in us. That in moments of loss, terrible moments of loss, that not only do we know an answer, but it becomes this precept of the Lord. Listen, that is rejoicing the heart. It moves in, the, in our spirit and gives us hope in those moments that are bad moments, are, are moments when we feel hopeless. It rejoices the heart. And in good moments, it rejoices the heart that God has been so good to us. Listen, it's not just that we know. This is so important. The Word of God is not just so you know it, so you have the head knowledge. The Word of God is living and active that comes down into our spirit. And I love this term. It rejoices. And what does it say? It rejoices the heart. Brings joy into the heart. Brings life into the heart. Gives us hope in all times. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The Word of God rewires our minds, redoes our thinking so that we begin to think without the corruption of our culture or our world, we begin to think right. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. There's not a one of us in this room that if we couldn't, without any negative recourse, have more money than we have today, we wouldn't take it. None of us would look at somebody handing us a million dollars with no negative recourse, no negative things attached to it, and say, you know what? We've discovered that you, this belongs to you. That wouldn't go, yippee ki this is a good thing. 
Woo, woo. Call my friends and my relatives. No, nope, I'm not going to call that one because they'll be over asking for some of it. I'm going to call that one. <laughs> and yet what the Bible says is we should long for his precepts and his truth more than money. We should want to grow in it more than we, than we want riches. Why? Because in them we are warned from what is wrong, and in the Word there is reward that comes from God. We all know money can't buy everything, that God can supply everything. And in them there is reward that comes from God. The Word of God is of great value to our lives, and obedience brings the reward of God. Verse 12 says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. It says, listen, we can't even see our own faults. We don't even know what our weaknesses are. We're not even aware of where we fail and where we fall short of the glory of God until we turn to the Word and with an open heart begin to say, God, reveal your truth to me. Let me see. We can't see our own faults. We need the Word of God. We can't trust our own spirit. We can't trust the leading of our heart. We have to lean into the Word of God. Verse 13, he says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Listen, friend, there's a day coming when it doesn't matter if the culture of our day cheers us or boos us. It matters what he does. If he cheers us, we're in good shape. If he boos us, we're in bad shape. Doesn't matter. We need to be a people who say, I want to be pleasing unto God. I want to please the one who is my Redeemer. Here is a pathway for your nature to begin to reflect and reveal the glory of God. We follow His Word. Now I'm going to real quickly give you nine ways to reveal the glory of God. And these are just nine. We could go into the Bible and find dozens and dozens of more. Uh, more places, but we're going to look at now. We're going to start by, by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. For that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Listen, here we're, here's where we get down to it. To put off the old self, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He says, listen, when you come to Christ, you come with these deceitful desires, these deceitful ways. They have to be put off. They're corrupt. The manner of life we lived before him was corrupt. And to put on, now this is important, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the righteousness of, the, of holiness. When you got up this morning, Everyone in this room, every one of us, we put on clothes. We didn't stand in the middle of the room and go, clothes, come. <laughs> we all went into our closets, got out of the clothes we are going to wear, and we put things on. 
This is a terminology Paul's talking about here. He says, put it on. Put on the new self. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, now he begins to talk about what we put on. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out, come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now this is, we start doing these things before we feel like it. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. I may steal, uh, still feel like stealing. I may still be tempted to steal. I may still be tempted to say something negative and harmful about somebody else. That may still be in me, but I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I, I put on the new creature even though the old creature is still trying to get out inside of me. It's in the process of putting it on and living it and walking in the presence of God that we have victory and that victory comes. That's in the process of doing it, we begin to feel it. So listen to what it says. Let's give you these things real quick. It says don't lie. Don't lie. This is simple. This is 101 stuff, isn't it? Stop lying. Not just about the, the, the big things, about everything. Stop lying. Don't go too far when you're angry. Be careful when you get angry that you don't sin in your anger. Don't stay angry. He gives us a time limit. Before the sun goes down, get it fixed. Get it right. He says in here, don't steal. And then he says, work hard. Be faithful in your work. And he says in here, share with those in need. When you have the opportunity and you see somebody in need and you have a way to meet, share with people in need. He says, put on this thing with our, watch your mouth. Watch what's coming out of your mouth. Watch what you're saying about others. Watch the corruption of your mouth. Watch your mouth. Real simple instruction. Be kind. Now, I, I don't think I have to share this much, but, you know, hold the door open for people. Speak to people kindly who serve you. Change the culture of a, of a community with our kindness. 
So we're sharing with people in need. We're watching our mouth. We're changing the atmosphere of our community with being kind. And he says, forgive others. Let's put that on. Put that on. Get that. Understand that. Put that on. And that'll help you and that'll bless you. I'm going to ask him to put the next scripture up on the screen that we're going to look at today for us to read. I want us to look at this passage together. And this passage is in Joshua uh, chapter 9. And I'm going to read, read this passage to you. So the men took some of their provisions but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. What's happened in this passage is the children of Israel have gone into the promised land. This is a type of us going into the land of righteousness that God would have us to live in and going into his kingdom. And as we come into the kingdom of God, we are told to put some old things off, put new things on. They were told not to make any covenants with the people who live there, that the danger of making covenants with the people who live there is their sin had reached the point where all that was left for them was judgment. All that was left for them was judgment. And they were now the hand of God in judgment. They were going to be cast out of the land. They were going to be destroyed and cast out of the land because they were doing, friends, if you read the Bible, they were doing awful things, terribly awful things. It's hard to imagine. And this, this group of cities get together and they say, look, they just wiped out Jericho. They just did this. We're in trouble. They're coming after us. Let's go make a covenant with them. And so they, 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 they make themselves up to look like they've traveled from a long way away. And they come and they said, we've heard about your greatness. We're a long, long way away. and You're never going to see us again. But we just wanted to come and honor what God's doing through you and recognize your greatness. And, and they, they looked at them and, boy, it looked like the, everything about them looked like they'd traveled for a long way. And, and they, they swore a covenant with these people. And about three days later, as they're traveling, they come upon the cities. And they're like, why did you do this? Well, because we knew, we knew God was there. You know, you're destroying everybody, and we don't want to get destroyed. So we came and lied to you. And God told them, told the children of Israel, you can't, you can't destroy him now. You've sworn to him in my name, and you can't destroy him. The lesson inside of this is this. They failed to inquire of God. If you are going to show the glory of God, if we're going to show it, we need to seek the counsel of God through his word and through prayer. Your child's about to go off to the university. And you, we look at all the natural things. Do they have the major that he wants? Can we afford to get him there? Will he get accepted? We look at all the natural things. But do we inquire of God? You're thinking about a new job. We look at the pay increase we'll get, and we look at the authority that we'll have, and we look at all these things. But do we inquire of God? 
you're thinking about getting married. Let me tell you, if, if you're thinking about getting, when you're married, you're blind. Love blinds us. The good is this big. The bad is that big. Then you get married and the bad is this big and the good is that big. You wake up and go, what have I done? Why? Because we don't inquire of God. We don't look at his word and say, does this match the word? Does this match what God says for me to do? Does this match what godly counsel is telling me? Does this match what I'm feeling and, and, and sensing the spirit of God when I righteously pray? In all of our decisions, we need to reckon all of our decisions lead us someplace. And if we want to reflect the glory of God, we need to walk in the will of God or we risk missing it. You know, last week we talked about uh, these taste buds of our spirit. And uh, what I have over here is a little tool I bought, you know, this year. This is an, an, an you know what this is? It, it edges. It edges. And, uh, and if I take it and turn it uh, th- that way it trims and it edges now this is really it's, it's really sweet and uh, uh, it's, it's, this, it's, it's, it's just great it just works really simple now this is not what a professional would do, use because it just it's, it's got to be battery now, let me tell you it doesn't have the battery in it right now and without the battery in it you know what this is it's worthless All I can do with this is hang it on a wall without the battery in it. Without the power source to it, it does nothing. I can't hammer a nail with it. About all I could do is hold something down with it for a little while. But it's not going to take me any place. It's not going to help my yard in any way. No, for this thing to work, I've got to take this thing, charged up, plug it in, and then it will light up and go. And, and now, you know, I've had this thing for a while. And because when I first had it, you know, there was a lot of work that needed to be done, especially in the edging of things and places that had to be cleaned out. And, boy, it would just burn through those batteries. But now that I've had it for a while and I've been working my, the, I, can, I can edge my whole yard in about 15 minutes. But you know what? This does nothing without this now when we begin to understand that about ourselves that the Holy Spirit is our source a couple weeks Mark Perky is going to be here he's going to spend the evening talking about the Holy Spirit in our life the Holy Spirit is our source without the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our life, without the daily work of the Spirit in our life, without us being filled with the Spirit daily. And the Word of God teaches, in, in, in Ephesians, Paul, Paul talks to us about being filled with the Spirit. And this, this is this constant. It's like, be well fed. If, you, if somebody says to you, I, go and be well fed. You don't think, well, I'm going to go out here today, stuff myself with food, and never eat anything else again. No. If you say, go and be well fed in your life, you think, okay, well, I'm going to eat meals throughout my life. I'm going to take things. This is what Paul was saying to them. He was saying, go and be filled with the Spirit. Let the ongoing work of the Spirit work in your life because 
The Spirit, the Spirit is what moves in us. The Word of God feeds us, lets us, and then when it feeds us, it cleanses us, it builds us, it strengthens us. But the Spirit of God fuels us. And that may be wrong on your notes. See, it says feeds again. It should be fuels us. What it does is it empowers us to do what the Word says. It empowers us to function and to be transformed. The Spirit of God is our power source. This is why Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait until power comes upon you. Wait for it. Get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the, the, the broken soul reconnected with the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to not lie, to not cheat, to not steal, to control our anger. We put it on. We put it on. We do our best. We start, and then as we're struggling, oh, Spirit of God, help me. Am I being practical enough for you today? Listen, this, this, isn't, this, isn't, this, is the, this is how the kingdom of God works. The Spirit of God empowers us. We need to get that battery plugged into us. Until we do, we're running around. You can, I can run around my backyard trying to, trying to you know, trim, around, and I can run around with that thing and just hold it up there where it needs to be trimmed, and I can press the buttons, and you know what happens? Nothing happens. I put that battery in, the power's down, and I touch that button, that thing lights up and grass is flying everywhere. This is what we need to understand about our life. You're going to run through life trying to accomplish things, trying to do things, and nothing's happening. You can't win yourself. You're trying to put on, the, you know, put on righteousness yourself. You're trying to do it, and you're not getting there. You're falling down. You're failing. You're staying angry too long. You're saying things you shouldn't say. You're falling into conversations you shouldn't fall into, and you're going, what's the deal? You need the power source. You need the Holy Spirit moving in your life. When we do obey the Word and are empowered by the Spirit, that's when we begin to reveal the glory of God. Not because we sit in some service and we start glowing, but we come into a new life in Christ where like Moses was going from glory to glory to glory, where because the Spirit of God is with us, we now go from glory to glory to glory. Because he's transforming us into his image. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, today I just pray for my brothers and sisters here that, Lord, we would not be a people caught up in our culture, blending our life with our culture, our faith with our culture or blending our faith with our, with our old nature. But that we would look clearly in your word and, and see the kind of people we're supposed to be, people who don't lie, people who don't steal, people, Father, who don't stay angry and don't go too far in our anger. And Father, so many other things that you teach us, people who are kind, 
who see other people around us and are kind to them. Father, and so many other things in your scripture that we should be. And that, Father, we would put those things on. We would determine, I'm going to start recognizing the people who wait on me when I check out at the store. And the people who are walking behind me as I go into a building. People that other people at the workplace have shut out. That I'm going to choose to see the value in every human being, every one of your creation. I'm going to be kind. Lord, help us to put that on today. But Lord, help us to also recognize today we need your word to reveal all that to us, to feed us, to cleanse us, to begin to transform us. And we need your spirit to empower us, to fuel us. So that day in, day out, good days and bad days, that we're fueled by your spirit. And that, Father, we would just recognize that the way we walk in your spirit is just to to pray, to worship you, and to open our hearts to you. Bless this congregation, I pray, pray. Touch each one of them as they go and let their life begin to shine with your glory. And Lord, any place where your glory is not shining through us, let us see it and put on righteousness. And follow after you in Jesus' name. And ask the prayer teams to come down right now. You know, a minute ago, a few minutes ago, Paul talked about, you know, his second Sunday at Calvary years ago now. And an appeal was made for him to surrender his life to Christ, and he did that. He did that. This, this comes this moment. We get this moment where Christ says to us, come follow me. He appeals to our spirit, come follow me. And we either obey that and lean into that spirit and follow him, or we reject him. Today, if you've never asked Christ into your life, Maybe this is your second Sunday. Maybe it's your first Sunday. Maybe it's your hundredth Sunday. But there comes this moment when you've got to make a decision. Am I going to live by the nature of this world, the way of this world, or am I going to live by my hope in Christ? And I want to tell you very, very clearly that when we stand before God, it's going to be one thing. Either he's our Savior or he isn't. You'll recognize, you'll know him as your Lord at that moment. You'll see that he's the Lord and creation of every, creator of everything. But now's the only chance we get to make him our Savior. And today, others are going to be coming down to the front. They're going to come down for other reasons. If you have any, any need for prayer about anything, we want to invite you to come down. And while others are coming down, you come too. Step out. Ask a friend to come with you. As you get down to one of these folks down here, just look at them and say, you know what, I want to make sure my heart's right with God. It's the most important steps you'll take in your life. You'll start a new path. You'll enter into a new kingdom. And God has great plans for you. But you've got to take that step and come. 
Father, in these next few moments, I pray that around this altar, you will heal the sick. I pray that around this altar today, Father, people who are caught in addictions will be set free. I pray that around this altar, people who are discouraged will find your spirit of encouragement coming into their life. I pray that, Father, people who are seeking wisdom, that they'll get the assurance that your wisdom is going to come into their set of circumstances. I pray for people who need strength for their life that today, Father, they will come down and find strength for their life. But Lord, I also pray that today that people who need to surrender their life to your Son and come into the kingdom would walk down this aisle to this altar, meet with the person on this prayer team and pray a very simple prayer and allow their eternity, eternity to be changed forever. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Let us shine like stars in the darkness. Let us be a people who reflect your glory from our nature because we've been transformed by you. And let your love and joy rest on every one of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this song today, if you have a prayer need,